Uh, they get us uh, in the spirit uh, to celebrate uh, the Lord's birth and to celebrate this wonderful holiday. Uh, I invite you to open your Bible with me at this time to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're in verses 23 and 24 this morning. We've been working our way through this letter uh, from the Apostle Paul. We've been going verse by verse uh, through this book for several months now. We're coming uh, towards the conclusion this morning. And uh, Speaking of the holiday season and the Christmas carols, uh, it's a time of year where a lot of people are traveling. And uh, we've got several that over the last uh, week or so because of Thanksgiving who have been on the road and, and uh, coming up for Christmas. Many will be traveling. My family will be on the road going to Michigan uh, there uh, for the Christmas holiday. And so when we got loved ones on the road or when we are on the road, oftentimes we will uh, ask the Lord for, for protection, prayers for safety. And uh, it is very appropriate that we do ask the Lord uh, to keep us safe physically uh, in, this, in this life. But it's also important for us to pray for spiritual protection and safety as well. When I was a child at the bed, uh, bedtime, I would offer up the familiar prayer, uh, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. Uh, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And uh, it is an appropriate prayer uh, for a child. It's an appropriate prayer for all of us uh, who are believers that the Lord would keep us underneath his watch care. And with all the trials and temptations that we face in this life, we can oftentimes be left discouraged and defeated and think, well, I've not held up my end of the bargain. The Lord must not be pleased with me. But I'm here to tell you this morning, according to the Scriptures, as a Christian, you can rest assured of God's willingness and God's ability to finish what He started when you first gave your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I want you to understand that as much as we want to strive to please the Lord, at the end of the day, you can rest assured in God's willingness and in God's ability to finish what He has started when you first gave your heart and soul to Him. I want to invite you, if you are able to this morning, to please stand with me in reverence for the reading of the Holy Word of God I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 this morning. These words were inspired by the Holy Spirit and written by the Apostle Paul. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Let's pray together. Father, as at this time we open up the Scriptures, Father, with a desire to hear from you. Lord, we come with the conviction that the Bible is your word. We come with the conviction that you are a God who speaks, a God who desires to communicate his, his self and his expectations to this world and Father you have chosen the vehicle of inspiration in which you moved men of old uh, to write and to express and reveal your thoughts and Father we thank you that we are not left in the dark to try to imagine who you are and 
to imagine what is wrong with this world and how the problems can be resolved. And according to your word, God, you have provided the way through the death, burial, resurrection of your Son for us to have a relationship with you. And ultimately, one day, this earth will be restored. And Father, we long for that day. And in the meantime, God, you have given us the task as believers to communicate the gospel and to live lives reflecting your holy character. Father, we need your assistance. We need your power to do this. And that's what we have come this morning to ask for, that you would speak to us, change us, strengthen us, so we can reflect your light to this dark world. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we've been working our way through this letter, we have noticed at the beginning of chapter 4, Paul began to give a, a series of instructions to the church. And it all began with chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul expressed, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. And the word sanctified, we said, literally means to be made sacred or set apart as holy. And, and God's will for us as Christians is that we would live lives that are, are distinct and different, that we would reflect God's holy character. And Paul begins to, through chapter 4 and chapter 5, give several strings of exhortations here, commands to the church. And, and it is appropriate for us to remember that all these commands were in the plural, and Paul is expecting and demanding, according to the authority of God, that all believers would do these things. He began chapter 4 talking about the importance of abstaining from sexual immorality. He talks about loving the brethren, loving the church, and how we are to live lives that are reflecting of our love for each other talked about the return of Christ and, and how we ought to believe the right things and that belief about Christ's return ought to motivate us to live a certain way, to, to comfort one another, to encourage one another, to, to challenge one another to live holy lives. And in chapter 5, we've been looking at in verses 12 and following the importance of appreciating spiritual leaders who labor amongst us. Living in peace with one another, verse 13, verse 14, that we would admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, not repay evil for evil, always seek that which is good for one another, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances. Examine everything carefully, hold fast to the good, abstain from the evil. And we read all that and we say, how in the world am I supposed to do all that? God's will for me is to do these things. God's will for us as a church to do these things. How? And Paul addresses that very question in verses 23 and 24 today for us. We see God's will for us is to be sanctified, but then God's method to do this is not left up to us. Because a lot of times we have the mistaken idea that being a Christian is all about believing Jesus died for me and that he rose again and believing that my sins are forgiven when I trust him and I, and I submit my life to him. That is, that is correct. 
That's the beginning of our Christian life, our Christian walk. But for so many people, we think, okay, once I accept Christ as my Savior, now God demands and expects these things of me, and I've got to work so hard to try to keep God happy. And we think we're initiated into this family and then we're left on our own to do these things. But that's not what Paul says. And he wants to encourage the Thessalonian church. He wants to encourage us through the Scriptures today. How are we to faithfully obey all these things that God has said? Well, the first thing we understand about sanctification is you must exercise cooperation with God. Exercise cooperation with God because following all of these commands, Paul in verse 23 says, Now that you've heard all these things and you understand what's expected, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Because he said in verse four, or chapter 4, verse 3, it's God's will for you to be made holy and to live a holy life. God's will for you to do that. Now, he says, may God complete this. May God energize you and motivate you and cause this to happen. And Paul is appealing to God through this prayer. Now, may God do this in you and for you. Because Paul understands you can't do this on your own. If Christianity is all about your ability to stay good, we all fail. And he says, now may God do this in you and for you. Exercise cooperation with God. Our transformation into the image of Christ depends upon God's grace and not our own efforts. But to do this, we must first of all yield to His person for sanctification. If we want to be made holy and kept holy, we've got to yield to the person of God. He says in verse 23, now may the Lord or now may the God of peace himself, himself is emphatic. Now may God himself, God and God alone do this. May God sanctify you. It's not may God and the church sanctify you. Now may God and himself do this. Now, now may God and you do this. It's may the God of peace himself the God of peace what does peace mean well we think well peace is the absence of conflict right and, 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 and that is part of what that means because we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ there's no more enmity between us and God once you are saved and if you're not saved then you are an enemy of God and you've got to give an account for that one day but as a Christian he is the God of Peace Peace also carries the idea of wholeness, nothing missing. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, they called the word shalom. It's what it means. Nothing is missing. Everything is whole, intact, complete. Everything you need is in God. The God of peace himself. And Paul says, may he sanctify you entirely. May, may he make you holy. Again, you can't do this on your own. You're dependent on God to make you holy. May God Himself, the God of peace, set you apart, separate you from sin, and turn you to holiness. And, and sanctification has the idea of what God has done in the past. Once you accept Christ, you are made holy in the eyes of God. Your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation. 
And in God's court of law, you are not guilty. You are justified. And once that happens, you have been set apart for God. You are sanctified. It's past tense. It's also future tense. And in the fact that once you accept Christ in the end and beyond in eternity, you will remain holy, set apart, sanctified to God. But sanctification also has a present tense component. That means in the here and the now, now that you have been sanctified, now that you will be sanctified for all eternity, right here, right now, you need to live like that. You need to live a life that demonstrates I have been set apart for God and I will always be set apart for God. Now here is how I will reflect that. That's what it practically means. To be sanctified. We yield to His person, but yet also we yield to His process. So I said it begins at conversion and it continues for eternity. It's the process of God molding and shaping you into what He wants you to be. If you start out, you come to God just as you are, baggage and all. And you say, God, here I am. I, have, I don't have anything really to offer you but a bunch of evil and sin and wickedness, but God, here's my life. Take it. And God will. He'll take it, take you just as you are. He will begin to do a work in you. He will change your desires. Uh, he will change uh, your attitude and your actions. He changes you from the inside out. And it's a lifelong process, and there's ups and there's downs, and there's ups and there's downs, and sometimes it can wear you out, it seems. But we yield to this process, and in this process, he says, now may God sanctify you entirely. That's through and through. That's may he start it, and may he bring it all the way to conclusion. And the way God does that, first of all, is through our active role. You and I play an active role in this sanctification because through chapter 4 and 5, Paul has given us all these commands. And God doesn't give us all these commands and say, well, you know, it'd be nice if you'd think about doing these things, but if not, hey, I'm cool with it. No, God gives us these commands because God demands and expects us to, to live this way. And as a Christian, our heart's desire ought to be to live this way. We should not settle for a life that looks like the lost world. We ought to strive to live a life that reflects God. Our, our motives, our willingness to be holy needs to be present. In other words, our active role prevents us from being lazy. It means we need to be striving our Christian life is to strive not to keep our salvation. We strive because we want to please God. We love the Lord. So thankful that He saved a sinner like me. Out of gratitude, I want to express this. I want to please my Heavenly Father. And Paul says, you have an active role to play. But then we come to verse 23 and we understand you have a passive role in this. To be made sacred, to be made holy and sanctified, you need to strive on the one hand, but on the other hand, you need to surrender. It, it sounds like a paradox, and it really is. We want to strive to please God, but as we are striving to please God, we understand that we must surrender to God because it is God who gives us this heart to strive. 
this motive to strive. It is God who gives us this strength to keep on striving. It is God who gives us this belief and this faith that it takes to keep on striving. And so we yield to God and we surrender to God and we, like Paul, say now, God, may you sanctify me. As I, as I labor and as I strive, God, I am dependent upon you for this. I need your grace to keep me on the right path. And we yield and we surrender. And we say, God, if I'm going to be holy, you need to do it. Because left to my own devices, I'm going to choose to do otherwise. Here Paul is petitioning God's help in this prayer. It is a prayer for safekeeping. May God sanctify you, church. He says, I love you, and I want you, remember Paul said twice in chapter 4, excel still more. Paul says, you are a, a great church, but I want you to strive even more. But in your striving, Paul says, keep surrendering to God, knowing it is God's grace that will sanctify you entirely. You're not left alone. Christianity is not about moralistic efforts. I just got to live a good life. It's so much more than that. It is surrendering to God and saying, Lord, everything that I, I can be, you're going to have to do it. And as you are doing this, God, I'm going to cooperate with you. At the end of this service this morning, as I, as I shared earlier, we're going to have a baby dedication. And we are excited, looking forward to that. And as a, as a parent of three children, uh, I rejoice uh, in, in my children. I rejoice thinking back to the memories of when they were uh, infants. But there's one thing that I, I don't uh, would ever want to go back to, and that is changing diapers. You know, when, when, they're, when they're infants and they're newborns, it's all well and good, you know, because you go to change their diaper, they just lay there, you know, and it's just kind of like, it happens quickly, you know, no muss, no fuss. But then when they get a little bit older, something peculiar happens. They get, they get mobile and they get active. And you go to change that diaper, what do they do? They start kicking and they start rolling. They want to roll around in all that filth and you're, you're trying your hardest to keep them still. And it, it's a challenge, why? Because they don't want to cooperate. You're trying to clean them up. You're trying to do something that's in their best interest. And yet they're trying to fight you through this process. And something that should take 30 seconds ends up taking, you know, 5, 10 minutes sometimes. Just because they want to fight you. Think about sanctification in that way. God is trying to clean you up. And all the while you're trying to roll around in your own filth. And all we need to do is just surrender. Cooperate with God. Yes, God, you demand this lifestyle of me, and I'm going I'm to strive to do that. But at the end of the day, my striving is also surrendering. And sanctification, our process, we, we want to labor. We don't want to be lazy. But we don't labor with the motive of, I've got to do this to stay holy. We labor so that we might please our Lord who all the while is energizing us and keeping us holy. Exercise cooperation with God, but also, Paul says, expect completion from God. 
As God begins this process of sanctification in your life, and He is active, He's involved, He is is there with you every step of the way, and God, we know, will bring this all the way to completion. As Paul said, may God sanctify you entirely. And then he says, to demonstrate how God does this, he says, may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. He actively maintains His work in us, and He will do so to completion. But in this, we want to seek, first of all, His preservation with sincerity. Paul says, may God preserve you complete. The same God who makes you holy is the same God who keeps you holy all the way to the end. And Paul says, may your spirit and soul and body... And some people read this and say, well, the human being must be comprised of three separate parts. And... And there are some that argue that, and there are some that argue, well, no, we're, we're, we're body, which is physical, but we're also immaterial. And so we're made up of two parts, and, and theologians have been debating that. And I don't think that's what Paul's getting at here. I think he's just saying, everything there is about you, God wants to make holy, and God will make holy, and he will keep holy. That means that even you, your physical body matters to God. It's not just my spirit's going to go to heaven and my, my body's just going to the ground and that's it. No, but one day God, as we've already seen in chapter 4, God will spiritually and physically save us and make us whole again. Seek His preservation. The entirety of your being. Again, we're dependent on God for this because He says, may God preserve you. May you be preserved passive tense. You can't preserve yourself. Only God can do that. Now, some of you all are into the whole canning process when you're canning vegetables and fruit. And, and why you do that? To preserve it. Because it's good initially and you want to keep it good long term. And so you preserve these things. Paul says, now, may you be preserved, mind, body, and spirit. May God preserve you. Be preserved complete. Remember earlier he says, may he, he, he bring it to pass all the way to the conclusion. Now he says, complete, that means nothing lacking. That means you're not going to be preserved body and spirit, but not soul. Or you're not going to be preserved soul and spirit, but not body. But all there is about you, may God preserve it. And not only may God preserve it, but he also says, God will perfect it. We need to seek His perfection with sincerity. Because He says, may you be preserved, and it's literally kept. That's that's a military term, guarded. Think about Fort Knox or some place where there is something valuable and there are soldiers guarding. He says, may God guard you completely without blame blameless as the idea in the old testament remember when you had to bring your your animal for sacrifice to the to the temple to the priest you had to bring the best of the best of your flock you didn't want to bring god anything deformed you don't want to bring god anything corrupted you don't want to bring god anything that that's less than the best you want to bring god the best and we think about the new testament jesus christ being the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world And Paul says, for those of us who are in Christ, we have been given the nature of Christ. He took our sin, 
gave us His righteousness. And Paul says, now in Christ, may God keep you complete. May He preserve you without blame. God has in Christ, through the blood of, of Jesus and His sacrifice, made you holy. And now He's saying, may God who made you holy, may He keep you, preserve you without blame. How long? Paul says, until the day to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in this five chapters, this is the sixth time Paul has referenced the second coming of Christ. You think it is important? You think that, that all that, that Paul is telling the church to do, do you think the idea that Jesus is coming again has an impact on the way we ought to live now? Of course it does. But also the fact that Jesus is coming again has an impact on the way we think about the future. It gives us hope and comfort. It motivates us to strive and to labor, but also we surrender and, and we rest in that fact. God's going to preserve us complete until the coming of Jesus. And then we've already seen in this book of the Bible Beyond that, we will be with the Lord forever. So this holiness process that God is cleaning us up, God will bring it all the way to pass. He will, he will wipe us completely clean and He will keep us that way for all eternity. It means it's not dependent on your ability to stay good enough. It's, it's dependent on your resting in Christ to be good enough. Jesus did what you never could and you acknowledge that and you surrender to that and you throw yourself on the mercy of God based upon what Christ has done for you. Paul says, May God preserve you complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus as you stand before Him in judgment which we all one day will. Will you be complete or incomplete? You know, this time of year we've reached the end of the semester and final exams perhaps are upon you as students. and I remember those days back in, in, in high school and college when you had those standardized tests. You had to fill in the bubbles. And you know, they always told you, make sure you, you answer something. Because if you, if you don't answer it at all, you're going to get it wrong anyway. But if you've got to choose A, B, C, or D, choose something because you've got a 25% chance of getting it right. But to leave it incomplete, you're penalized. And Paul is saying, when you stand before the Lord Jesus at His coming, you don't want to be incomplete. You don't want to say, well, I've got these things that are really good, Jesus. Look. Jesus is going to say, yeah, but what about this? It's incomplete. And the, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, no matter how hard you try, you can't complete it on your own. None of us can. But when we rest in the grace of God in Christ Jesus, we are made complete. And He, by His grace, will keep you complete. Nothing lacking, through and through, all the way into the day of Christ Jesus. We say, well, how is that possible? I can't do that. Leads us to our final point. We need to express confidence in God. 
Paul does just that in verse 24. And, and, and with the Apostle Paul, we need to praise God with certainty that God who wants sanctification to happen, He will be the one to complete it for us when we yield and surrender to Him. Knowing God will answer us. Paul is praying, may God Himself do this. And Paul says, as I'm praying for this, I am certain God is going to make it happen because verse 24 says, faithful is He who calls you. He also will bring it to pass. We need to express confidence in God by trusting, first of all, in His promise to save. His promise to save. He says, faithful is He who calls you. Faithful, that means trustworthy. We have assurance God's not going to let us down. It's not in God's nature to promise something and then balk on it. Human beings will let you down. Your spouse will disappoint you. Your children will promise something that they won't bring to pass. Your church, your pastor will disappoint you. Because we're imperfect. But faithful is He who calls you. When God calls you to Himself in Christ, He is faithful. He won't let you down. He will keep you. He will complete you. He will see it through. Faithful is He who calls. Calls is in the present tense. That means it's ongoing. God's call for you isn't what God called you and then He left you on your own, but God, that call continues to ring in your ear. As you are striving to please Him, you are thinking back to that time that God called you. God transformed you. God made you a new creation. God put a new heart in you. And suddenly, your desire was different than it used to be. Suddenly, you weren't the most important thing in your life. God God was and that God who calls you that continual call and that call of God that continues to go out from his people to this world it's evidence to me it ought to be evidence to you how do we know that God is faithful because his gospel call continues to ring out from his church every time we see someone surrender to Christ every time we see somebody walk this aisle and get baptized it's evidence to us that the call is ongoing that the kingdom work of God continues and he is faithful to that promise he is faithful to whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved God is faithful folks when you are not faithful to him God is still faithful to you faithful is he who calls you Paul says and he also will bring it to pass that means we need to trust in his power to save he will bring it to pass how do we know that God is faithful well first of all we think about what God has done in the past everything that God promised in the past has come to be God promised that his son would come the Messiah would come and he did and at Christmas we celebrate that God said in the Old Testament that there would be a perfect sacrifice for sin and that happened on the cross. And God said in the Old Testament the Messiah would be raised and He was. And everything that God has promised, He said He would pour out His Holy Spirit and He did. And so everything that God has done in the past has proven He is faithful and He will do what He has promised to do in the future. His past work guarantees his future work. 
We trust in His power to save. You don't trust in mankind to save. You don't trust in the government to save you. You don't trust in the church to save you. You don't trust in your pastor or in a priest to save you. You don't trust in yourself. You trust in God. Because at the end of the day, being saved is not about your ability to hang on to Jesus. Your salvation is dependent on Jesus' ability to hang on to you. He even said so in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. He gave this awesome statement about those who belong to him, his, his followers, his people, Christians. He says, No one is able to snatch them from my hand. He says, whoever belongs to me belongs to the Father and no one is able to snatch them from his hand. And so we got a, a two-fisted grip on us as Christians. The Father and the Son, they are holding on tightly to us. Now I've heard some say before, well, no one could snatch us from God's hand, but maybe we can, we can wiggle ourselves free. Heard an awesome quote from J.I. Packer. Said this: "You are not strong enough to fall away, while God is resolved to hold you. If God is resolved, I am going to keep them safe. I am going to preserve them through and through until the day of Christ Jesus. If God has determined that, you are not strong enough to undo what God has determined to do. Because if your desire is to please God, that means you have been transformed by God and God will bring it to pass. We can trust in His power to save and not in our own ability to keep ourselves safe. You didn't earn your salvation. Neither can you unearn it. It's all by grace. You know, the contents of a safe reveal what's most important to you. We got a safe over at our house, and some people in their safes they put uh, uh, cash or they put jewelry. And since we don't have any of those things, <laughs> we got pictures in our fireproof safe. And, and we don't have as much now because nowadays you can put everything online and you store everything that way. But the contents of a safe reveal what's most important to you. And according to this, God is holding you. For safekeeping. It means you matter to God. That means being preserved complete until the day of Christ Jesus, God wants that for you. It means you yield to Him. You, you strive, you want to work to please God because why wouldn't you want to? Everything that God's done for you, all the ways that God has blessed you in Christ, why would you not want to please Him? But you also rest assured in the fact that when we, when we slip and when we stumble and we fall, God still preserves us. That means that God guards us in His mighty grip. As we want to labor and we want to serve God faithfully, at the end of the day, you and I can rest assured that God is faithful and God is willing and able to keep you and to finish what He started. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, that, Lord, you love us so much that you called us to yourself. 